we've been um, just extracting things from Luke for quite a while. How does this, this pertain? How does this give us confidence in our everyday? And I'm sad to say that this is the last day of this series. So um, I'm excited about today. How many, how many of you ever had a polarizing uh, conversation? I felt like, felt like you were in the middle of this like really difficult situation. Yeah, you, you can raise your hand up. So one of the things I, th- I thought on, you know, since we have children in here, um, that I thought I would mention this. You know, I'm kind of reflecting back on when I was in elementary school, and some of the major polarizing issues that I faced. One was about chia pets. Um, I always wanted a chia pet. I never got a chia pet. My mom is here, so I'm trying to um, put a little guilt on her. Um, and. And I just remember that there was a great debate when I was probably eight years old whether um, chia pets were pets or they plants. And there was some of my friends who said they were pets because you had to take care of them and look like a pet. And others said it's a plant. It's obviously a plant. You put seeds on it and it grows this chia hair or whatever. And, and I was somewhere um, in the middle and I could see both sides. And I felt like I couldn't make a decision. It felt very, um, just felt kind of isolated. Felt a little isolated on this. Um, yes. I'm over it by now, just so you guys know. Kind of. All right. But as we, as we think about our everyday life mission, you know, we live in a society that's um, progressively more post-Christian. And, and there's complete polarization. And there's, there's people that are on this side or that side. And as Christians, we find ourselves somewhere in the margins. Somewhere in the middle. And living in the margins is, is difficult. And we try to cope with this in many different ways. We, um, we can either try to regain power and, and go in that direction, and many seek to do that. We could just abandon any sort of biblical truth and just compromise and go a totally theological, biblical way and say, well, it doesn't really matter, we're fine with that. Um, Yet the the way in which we're really called to do this is by staying in those margins. And you see, being in the margins is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's where the church should be and where it's always been, quite frankly. And so... We have to realize that this, this cultural moment that we're in is, is a good cultural moment to be in because we're in the margins and we have access to both sides. And as Christians, we are called to bring forth, to, to cultivate and, and plant the peace of the kingdom of God wherever we go. That's our everyday life mission. So the title of today's sermon is Planting from the Margins. And I just want to give you a little context as we enter into this, as we enter into the the book of Luke, um, chapter, chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's, he's full-fledged in his ministry right now. And Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus uses the term kingdom of God and speaks of the kingdom of God quite extensively throughout his entire ministry. And, and when, he, when he describes what the kingdom is, it's, it's often more than we could possibly even think that it could be. And so as we go and we enter into this journey this morning, and we talk about how to plant from the margins, I want to look at three 
requirements, three things that we need in our everyday life mission to plant peace from the margins of our everyday life. So let me pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask that uh, you would teach us the things that we do not know. Holy Spirit, fill us right now. Give us insight to your word. We just want to bring you glory in our everyday lives. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Well, the first requirement is, uh, for planting peace uh, is, is, to, is to require imagination. So planting peace in the margin requires imagination. Now, when you go and you go to plant a garden, you have to have imagination. Erica, um, when I first met her, I, I can't grow anything. Um, probably why I didn't get a chia pet, but um, Erica can. And I remember when we got married, she had these boxes, these planter boxes, and, and she she had all cord, you know, corded off, and she said, you know, this is going to be this, tomatoes, and this will be, you know, cucumbers, and this will be this, and this will be that. And she already pictured it in her mind. And so it's the same thing when we plant peace in the margins. It requires us to have imagination, but imagination that considers the vastness of the kingdom of God. You see, it's just not imagination for imagination's sake. It's the fact that we put it in the context of the kingdom of God, the vastness of God's kingdom. And we often, that's limited because of uh, some things that we talked about before. We talked about this term secular sacred divide. We often compartmentalize our lives and we say, well, this is all about God. This is very sacred. This is all about the kingdom of God. But this is all secular. This is all what doesn't really matter to God. And in God's economy, there is no secular sacred divide. That's just something we manufactured and we created. So the kingdom of God is bigger than we could possibly think. It also requires an imagination that is enlivened through experiencing the kingdom of God. We experience the kingdom of God. We don't just speak of it. We read the twelve were with him. So Jesus preaching the twelve were with him. And also were some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And so these women are following Jesus and they're following him because they've experienced Christ. They've experienced peace spiritually. They've experienced peace physically. There's no more demons. And then some of them have been healed physically. They're experiencing that peace of Christ. And for us, for those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have experienced Christ too. We've experienced the peace of Christ. So we need to tell people about it. And that enlightens our, our imagination of the kingdom, of what God is doing, because we know who we are. And we know who we, who we were and who we are now. And we see these things. And I'm going to encourage you, if you don't know the peace of Christ, that after the service, come talk to me. Talk to Pastor John. Talk to one of our, our prayer partners. We'd love to talk to you about that. We also see that imagination, kingdom imagination, um, must ignite this hope of real change. It says these women were helping to support them out of their own means. These women are, are giving everything that they have because they believe in the kingdom of God. They were compelled by the kingdom of God. They supported this kingdom movement from their own resources. So the question is, how do we do this? How do we, how do we promote this imagination, this kingdom of imagination? Well, we see that it's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Verse 1, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news. That word good news means the present and divine reality of the kingdom of God, or the domain ruled by the sovereign king, the domain ruled by Christ. So the question is, what does Christ rule? 
He rules everything. He rules everything. And so we, we preach that. And we see that Jesus does that by, by often using parables. He contextualizes it for the people that he's talking to. He tells them stories. And it really speaks at their, where they're at. And maybe just a practical thing for us to consider. But what is the kingdom of God? This is where we get confused, I think. Is it, what is the good, good news? What is the gospel? Oftentimes you don't give the whole gospel. Is the gospel that Jesus came and he died and we're saved and we put our faith and trust in him and we're no longer destined for hell and destined for heaven? Is that the good news? Absolutely, that's the good news. But that's not all of the good news. It sure is, is nothing less than that. But there's more to that. You see, in Genesis 1.31, God looked in his creation and he said, It is good. It is very good. And then he put us in the garden. He put man in the garden. He said, Cultivate this garden. He gave us uh, this commission to work, to make beauty, to cultivate the garden before the fall. Then all of a sudden, sin enters into the world. Everything changes from then. Christ comes into the world and does a perfect and righteous life. And he's nailed to a cross. And then he's resurrected three days later. And when we put our faith and trust in him, yes, we're destined for heaven. But there's more because everything was reconciled to Christ. That means there's a recreation that is happening at this very moment. Heaven and earth are coming together at this very moment. We sure have not, we sure have not had the, the manifestation of that, seen the full manifestation of that, but it's happening. And so what does that mean? I mean? It means that we still have that mandate to cultivate the garden. That means whatever you do in your everyday, you're creating beauty for the glory of God. Everything ordinary matters to God. It's contributing to this recreative thing that God is doing, and it's bigger than we can imagine. for a second. I hope you got your seeds. All right, I'm shaking it down. Man, I don't hear a lot of shaking. <laughs> okay, what do you think that this, 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 these, these plants are going to look like, these, these flowers? Like, imagine what it's going to look like. Like, when I look at this, I go, oh, I can see this totally right in this area of my garden. I can, I can imagine that. I don't know what you guys think of when you, when you have seeds. There's possibilities here. And you have what you have to use your imagination. And so that's what we're called to do in our everyday, to engage our imagination. I know that's very hard for some of you. You're saying, Brian, what you're saying is totally unrealistic. It's, you're more, you're idealistic here, Brian. That's crazy. And I'm going to say to you that I think that you're underestimating the kingdom of God and what God's doing. And we often don't use our imagination that are enlivened. Uh, by this, this kingdom reality because we're afraid of being rejected. We think it's too big, it's too lofty, it doesn't make any sense. But this is the great thing about being in the social and cultural markets. We've already been rejected. We have nothing to lose. <laughs> and so this gives us the freedom to bring the peace of Christ to a polarized majority. Because we got nothing to lose. We have the freedom to dream and to change things. Again, Christ is reconciling all things to himself. So this is what I want you to do. Just bear with me here. Close your eyes for a second. I want you to think about your front line. Maybe that's at home. That's at work. Wherever it is. I want you to think about the current reality of this moment. 
about the texture behind what it feels like. And then I want you to think about the kingdom of God, the new heavens, the new earth, that Jesus has come to reconcile all things, and that and that the new heavens and the new earth are reality. And I want you to imagine what could, what can your front line be? What could that look like? Just think about it just for a second. What could that look like? What could change? What needs to change? That's using your imagination. And that's reality. That's something that God wants you to think about. He's going to work in that. He's working in you to make it happen. So that's the first requirement, imagination. The second requirement is that planting peace in the margins requires seed. You need seed. Now, sometimes, um, Erica would order these seeds from this, this, I don't know, these seed people? I, I don't know. But it's online somewhere. And she would get these, all these seeds. And she'd go, she'd go, okay, I'm planting this, I'm planting that. And then, sure enough, um, it would be something totally different. She had the wrong seed. Like, people sent her the wrong seed. And she's like, I didn't plant this. I didn't want to plant this. I guess I did. And so sometimes um, we plant the wrong seed. And so planting the margin requires the right seed. It requires the right seed. So what's the right seed? Well, you're reading verse 11. The seed is the word of God. It's the word of God. It's God's word. It's a sovereign word. It's the truth of God's word. And it says the word of God gives us, in verse 10, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. It's these divine secrets shared to us supernaturally by God. This is why the authority of scripture is such a big deal in our everyday. This isn't us making stuff up on our own. If you're just making it up on your own, then you can just abandon all of this. It's not about you. It's about what God wants you to do and how he's working through you and how he's going to get the glory. And it starts with the, the sovereignty and the authority of his work. So this is a big deal. And so that's the right seed. And many of us sit on our every day and we go, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why people have this misperception of what's happening. And yet we're planting the wrong seed. You see, it's not just about, is it just about making things better. Yeah, absolutely. About justice and things like, yes. Is it just about stealing the deal and, and dropping the spiritual grenade and trying to run out of the, of the door and hope that there isn't too, many, too much collateral damage? Yeah, it's, it's more than that. Like, it's, it's everything. It's a life. It's a lifestyle of evangelism. It just naturally flows out of you because that's what you've been called to do. It's, you don't even know you're doing it because you're so um, immersed in God's word and in his mission. And living in the reality of his kingdom, and it just it just pours. You see that cleansing from the margins of our seed that um, is generously scattered wherever we go in places that make no sense to us. Verse five says the farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell on the path it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because it had no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up uh, with it and choked the plants. Still, other seeds fell on good soil. They came up and yielded the crop a hundred times more than the song when he said this, he called it, he called it out. So here's the thing. This is, Jesus is really um, telling us to like, this is horrible agricultural practices. <laughs> I want you to understand, like, get in their mind, like, this is an agrarian 
society, you see people are planting things all over the place. Like, this is their livelihood. And he's basically saying, take this precious seed and put it on paths that people are going to trample on, and foreign, thorny areas and rocky areas. Just throw it. Just start casting it all over the place. <laughs> and a farmer would hear that and go, that's crazy. That's nuts because this costs money and this is time and this is effort. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, just do it. It's not going to make sense to you. You're just called to generously scatter seed everywhere you go. Just scatter it. We have to ask ourselves, when we look at our little packets right here, do we want the seeds to stay in this packet or do we actually want to plant it? Because, you know, this is really nice. We can talk about this packet all day. But if the seeds stay in here, nothing's wrong. And so we need to often we, 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 we analyze how we're going to plant seeds in our everyday, seeds of the peace of the kingdom of God. We, we analyze it, and we really become paralyzed, right? There's this paralysis by analysis. It's like, well, you know, I need really strategic about this. And Jesus is saying, listen, just do this. And wherever I send you, just do it. Just, just cast seed. Just plant seed. This is your everyday life mission. Uh, mission. Why? Why is this our everyday life mission? Because people need peace. If you were there, God sent you there. And he sent you there to expand the kingdom and proclaim good news in word and deed. You see, we don't have to necessarily um, walk in there and and give them the, you know, the spiritual laws and Again, close the deal. We're called to change the environment. We're called to walk in there and word and deed. Word isn't just the actual words of, of salvation. Of course, there's nothing less than that, but it's more than that. You get what I'm saying? It's it's not it's not apart from that. But you need to do this is holistic life stuff. This is whole life stuff. This is kind of bringing things together. We're talking about, we talk about whole life discipleship. This is whole life discipleship stuff. We're going there to plant seeds of peace. And we do it generously. And if you're there, just do it. Stop analyzing. Just do it. So here's what I want you to do. You just thought, I, I, you guys imagine what your front line could be like as, as God is, is doing this new for you. So now I want you to think. Spend 30 seconds. Think of those on your front line. God is calling you to plant seeds of peace with. Who are those people? Think, just imagine your faces right now. Imagine the expressions that you, you see on your face. Who are these people? Is it your mom? Is it your dad? Is it your husband? Your wife? Is it the person that you come in contact with? Is it your work or coworker? Is it the person at Market Basket? Who is it? I want you to just have that, 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 that face just imprinted on your heart. Okay. Hold that for a second. Now, when you embrace this idea that you're just called to scatter seed in your everyday, you need, you need to be prepared for the responses. So here, here's come, here, here comes the... the um, here comes the fear, I think, of everyone, the responses. So let's look at the third requirements. The third requirement is plenty of peace from the margins requires soil and water. Now, 
Eric and I have lived in many different places. So have some of you. And you know that when you go to plant a garden, when you go to plant seeds, that different environments produce different effects. So, you know, living in Temecula, what was it? What was arid? But there's a little more moisture in the air. We could, in Southern California, we could, we could water, but maybe not as much. But then when we moved to the high desert near Joshua Tree National Park, there's no water. So it required more water, and the soil was different, and, and things interact. A different soil and water are going to have different effects. It's going to interact with uh, the seed a little bit different. And in this analogy, Jesus is, is saying that the soil is the human heart. And that God's word is going to have different effects depending on our condition of the individual people. And we see the first thing we see the condition of the soil or the condition of the heart is we see this defenseless, this, this uh, defenseless heart. Verse 5 says, The farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on and birds ate it up. And then he explains that. He says, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes it away. There's this mental. An emotional confidence when they first hear the word, they first hear the good news, and they experience the kingdom of God, but it's snatched away by the devil. So it's taken away the word from them, their hearts that they may not believe. We come across some of those people, right? We tell them, we show them, we live with them, we do life with them, and our heart goes out to them. And they, they're like, okay, but then it's, it's just gone. Because there's a real spiritual battle that's going on, and there's a real enemy. We also see shallow hearts. Some fell along the rocky soil, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. And Jesus explains, he says, those in the rocky soil are the ones who receive the word. They consider it rightly, and they consider it, and they have joy, and they, and they hear it, but then they have no roots because they're just rocks there. And they believe for a while, but in times of testing and trial and temptation, they fall away. And many of us know people like that, too. We spend time with them, and we live with them, and maybe they're us. We struggle with this. Nonetheless, our hearts go out and they break because we think we, our hope gets up. We're like, yes, they're finally getting it. And then nothing. And some of us, even our own personal life, we were like, maybe I'm getting this. And you're like, no, I'm not getting it. We have distracted hearts. Other seeds fell along the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And Jesus explains it in verse 14. He says, the seed that fell along the thorns stands. For those who, for those who hear good, they go on their way. They're choked out by life's worries and pleasures, and they don't mature. They just have so much on their mind, they're inhibited by what's going on in life, and they're just so distracted. They don't have time for this. They don't have time for the kingdom of God. They're missing out on everything. And perhaps they've all been there, and we know people in our lives. Maybe we're there right now. So the question is, is that I was just in my mind, because I'm thinking about all these soils and what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to basically be rejected. He's, he's, he's telling us to be rejected. And I'm saying, why, why do we spread seed on this type of soil? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Why are we tell, told to go out and spread the good news of the gospel, the kingdom of God, in hearts like this? Because this can be discouraging, right? This is part of our discouragement a little bit, our hesitation. I think it's because one, sowing seed, seeds of peace of the gospel, it has an impact regardless if plants grow or not. Regardless of if plants grow or not, as we are there, the environment changes. 
And you don't know what God is doing. There's things that are happening that are well beyond our control in the way that we can see. You see, at the very best, like the entire landscape changes. At the very least, there's a chance that something will grow. But that's really not our concern. Because God is working and he works through these things. When you go to the desert, the desert in, 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 in the, the high desert, it's nothing but desert. It's, I mean, I was looking at the pictures that Molly had up there, and I'm thinking, yeah, that looks like places I've lived. There's nothing that grows there. But yet, in spring, because there's seed that's been traveled by the winds, and there's, there's a, the, some of the, the, the water that comes through in spring, it's just the landscape changes. There's just purple flowers everywhere, and yellow flowers everywhere. It's beautiful. But that, I would have never guessed that. That's all God doing that. But everything changes, so it doesn't matter. You gotta remember the whole gospel that we're not just changing, we're not, we're not just trying to seal the deal of the gospel of Jesus on people's hearts and get them to heaven. It's more than that, it's changing, it's, it's, it's co-creating with God. I know that's a, a term that some of you are a little anxious about, but it's, it's, it's walking to God's plan to, to recreate everything for his glory. Second thing, because we're in the midst, we're called to visit, because in the midst of our going and sowing, there's gonna be good soil. There's going to be people there that we don't know. It isn't like people like God has like a, put a, a letter on them and it's like, oh yeah, these are the people that are going to respond well, so go ahead and cast your seed there. You don't know. God has been working in people's hearts just like he's worked in your heart and my heart, cultivating our hearts, tilling the soil for different people and experiences. And so he's placed us there to go ahead and, and cast the seed. And we see in verse 8, still others fell on the soil that came came up and he yielded the crop a hundred times more than was sown. And he says, verse 15, the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. This is my prayer for us. And we just produce this crop. So, we have to ask ourselves, what do we do when we're front line? Well, here's the thing. Planting in the margins is not about worrying about the growth or about how many crops are going to be produced. That's God. That's all God's we just plant seeds. It's sowing wherever we go. And it's, here's the key, key thing. It's watering. So where's the water coming here? And I'm glad we only brought it up. It's watering these seeds with prayer. Prayer matters, guys. It's watering these seeds with prayer. And that's what Psalm 122 is about, that we read earlier. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of God's people. So here's what I want you to do. You got your seed packet. If you don't, you can grab one. Later on, I want you to write the names of those people on this seed packet that you thought about. And when you go to plant these seeds, I want you to remember that you've been called to plant seeds of the kingdom of God in their life. And as you see these grow, I want you to pray for them and water those people in prayer. And if these seeds don't grow, I want you to remember that your job is not to worry about the growth. It's just to plant seeds. God will take care of the growth plants. So let me just conclude because I'm running out of time. I want to talk about this more. I can talk about this stuff all day. If you guys have fun. This, this week we celebrate Independence Day. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say anything about that. We celebrate the peace of freedom secured. And the sacrifices of thousands. 
And freedom is valuable only if we use it in the pursuit of peace within the moral and ethical boundaries that support human flourishment. And for us, Christ sacrificed everything so that we could have eternal peace and freedom. And this freedom is to be exercised within the boundaries of his kingdom, kingdom morals and ethics to bring peace on our front lines. And I want to close with this. The Apostle Peter, speaking to those in the margins in the first century, framed the ministry and the ministry they called to this way. He says, live, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who just judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Friends, since we have been healed, we have been called to help others by planting the peace of the margins on our minds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this mission. We thank you for this everyday life this mission to sow the seeds of peace. We pray for those on our front line that do not know you, that do not know peace, do not know eternal peace. In you, Lord Jesus. Give us wisdom on how to engage them faithfully, honestly. Give us wisdom on how to change our environment. Give us Boldness. Give us confidence, knowing that when we are rejected, they are not rejecting us, they're rejecting you. Give us perseverance. So that as we use our freedom in the pursuit of peace, that we could do so knowing that eventually we'll experience the fullness of peace in your time. So we love you when we ask this.